What's good, everyone? Welcome to the Parenting Cipher, sponsored by Fempower Media. I'm your host, Jeannie Dawkins, the Parent Confidence Strategist, and I help parents become more confident in navigating their children's disabilities so that they can reach their highest potential in life and in school. So today we are blessed with LaJoy Johnson-Law, who is a Ward 8 resident of D.C., who's in the house. Hey, everybody. (laughs) She has a beautiful special needs daughter named Abria. LaJoy is heavily involved in the education landscape in D.C., and if you live in the city, you already know. You already know. All cities need help. (laughs) Let's talk about it. (laughs) <laughs> and she has served on several education boards, such as the Apple Tree Early Learning Public Charter School, Parents Amplify Voices in Education, otherwise known as PAVE, and Thrive by Five Coordinating Council as a parent member. She's motivated by her advocacy for Bria and other children like her. She has also volunteered as a classroom paraprofessional at St. Colette Special Education Public Charter School. LaJoy currently works at Advocates for Justice in Education to continue her advocacy efforts for families who have children with disabilities. LaJoy holds an associate's degree in elementary education, a bachelor's degree in psychology, and a master's degree in public administration from the University of Phoenix. I made it. (laughs) You made it. You made it. I made it. <laughs> let's let's you know for all my parents out there who are like, oh, I can't, I don't have time. I have too many. I have too many kids. You can do it. I did it. You can do it. We are here to say you can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Just have a goal. Like, don't focus on the school. Focus on your goal. For me, mm-hmm. I had just had to leave my apartment because my electricity got turned off. I'm living in my parents' <laughs> basement. I have. You know, my little, I think that time he was like six months old on the bed. We're on this freaking pull out bed and we are, and I am like doing work. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's so real. Um, I remember, um, my bachelor's, I was, um, going through a divorce um, my, um, Abria was born at a pound and six ounces. And so at this time she was three, but because she was born so early, she, we were just back and forth into the hospital, um, inpatient stays, outpatient visits. Um, she, she was having seizures really badly. So it was just a lot going on. So, you know, I'm back and forth with Abria to the hospital. I'm going through a divorce. I've lost my job. And, um, what happened was my dad died and then he died from a stroke. Um, unfortunately, Two months later, my aunt died from pancreatic cancer. Yeah. Um, and then about two two months later, my grandmother died of lung cancer. And about, about two and a half months later, um, my cousin died in a really bad car accident. And then at the end of all that, I got a rid of eviction. Bad turned to worse. <laughs> Come on, Latifa, we know. Like, so we, we know yeah. the struggles. And it just went from bad to worse to more worse. And it just felt like, is it ever going to stop? Like, like, Lord, are the barriers ever going to come down? It, it just felt like it would never end. But I thought about my daughter. You know, my motto is, one, is prayer. But two, it's in my prayer, it's, Lord, I, I'm putting a Bria first. You have, you have blessed me with this beautiful child. And I, it doesn't matter what's going on in my life. I have to put the baby first. I, I don't know what else to, that's all I know how to do. I don't know how to do anything else. And I'm like, Lord, I'm putting a Bria first, right? Can you take care of the rest? And 
some way, somehow, he has. We're actually still in the apartment. Really? Yep. We are still in the apartment. It took me like two, when was it, two months? No, it wasn't two months. It was like a month and a half. What I had to do was, it's a shame in D.C. where you have to get to the brink of homelessness because once you get rid of eviction, that is a form of homelessness. Why do I have to be, why do I have to experience such trauma? Why do I have to literally be on my last leg to receive any type of assistance? So I was going around, you know, trying to get assistance for the writ. And I, I mean, people know, I mean, I don't know how many times I've been told no. And this, all of this, I'm so all of this is happening, right? And I'm, as I'm in school, trying to get this degree, trying to do better because I'm like, I want generational wealth for my daughter. I want to be able to give her something. I want to be able to be in a position to provide for her. I want to be in a position to where, you know what, I can have my own. So that way I can do what I need to do for her. And so just with, with everything happening, it was no, like, I have to do this. It's like, Lord, can you, you know, take care of the rest? So I'm going around shopping the, literally, that's what it was called. Shopping. My writ of eviction around saying, can you help my daughter and I please? And nothing. I finally got to Salvation Army. I think I begged that lady. I mean, I was in tears begging, please help me. She was like, Miss Law, do you have the documents? I'm like, I have the documents. I'm like, I used to work for a nonprofit um, that dealt with housing. So I know what I, I'm like, I have everything you need. She approved me within 24 hours. What? I was like, that wasn't nothing but the good Lord. Okay. It's the good Lord. But you know, you actually having the knowledge of of where to go when you talk about resources mm-hmm. a lot of people just don't have it and they're just true. lost and then they get consumed by the situation and being hopeless you know and that's like I used to work for um, Department of Health and Human Services in DC we did with public assistance you and DHS yes I work for DHS yeah for all my listeners who don't know you she know okay <laughs> I used to work for DHS and <laughs> they give employees a plethora of information to give customers, right? However, everyone are giving up the tea. Everyone's not going to address what you aren't asking about. And then everyone isn't keyed into what is available. And I used to literally listen to people when they would come and sit in front of me. And um, I had a situation with a young lady and she had an agreement with her child's father. And apparently his family got in his ear and was like, why are you paying the rent? Rent's not child support. She literally had eviction notice. She came in because she didn't even know if anybody could help her stay in her apartment. She came in because she needed to feed her daughter because he cut everything off. Oh my gosh. So everything off. So when she came in, she's talking to me about this and I asked her a question about, you know, do you have any other questions? She's like, I have a, an eviction notice. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I said, wait a minute, hold up. I know they told me about it. I don't remember. Give me a minute. And by the time she had left, I had like approved her so she could have her notice to take to the office because she needed that mm-hmm. them to approve to pay her rent. Right. I gave her that, the proof that she applied, the proof that she was approved. Then I asked her, so what are you going to do? She was like, I want to go back to school. I was like, well, you know, you're a public assistant. They can help you with that. Right. Fast forward four years later, I had like walked past her and she's like, Miss Dawkins. Yes. Dawkins. I was like, hey, what are you doing? How is the baby? How's your daughter? She said, I'm about to graduate yes. from UDC with a teaching degree. I said, you better stop. You better, you better go ahead. 
bad girl. You better stop. And it all starts with knowing someone or a group of people to help you. Absolutely. And you know what I say, you know, Latifah? I say there is a information sharing challenge in D.C. Mm-hmm. And I think people fear that if I share this information with you, will it affect me getting what I need? Right. And I think that is a myth because what the help is based on each person. It's based on each situation. It's it's based on what's going on in that household. It's based on that household's income, the way it's supposed to work. It's based on what is happening right. in that household. In that household. And, then, and that leads to when we talk about advocacy groups, because you are a part of major advocacy groups. Mm-hmm. What are advocacy groups and how do they help parents? Yeah. So one, I say this, I think we all can be advocates. So advocacy is is it's just fighting for what you believe in. And what happens is when you find a group of people or if someone refers you to a group of people that are fighting for the same thing you believe in, now you're part of an advocacy group. That's all it is. It's a group of people fighting for the same belief. Right. So one of the advocacy groups that Latifah and I are a part of is is PAVE, you know, Parents Amplifying Voices in Education. They are a nonprofit organization, but they have wrapped their arms around families and help give, you know, a lot of families already have the information, but some families don't. So they give it to everybody is making sure that parents have the information and the tools and the resources that they need, not only to advocate for their children, but we're advocating for children across the city and parents are determining what issues do we want to fight for this year? What is some, what are policies that we really want to focus on? What is something in education? You know, we all have education, but we have, but education is really broad. So we have to break that down into exactly, okay, what are we advocating for during this time, during this moment? Mental health, for example, is, has been a major topic of discussion and topic of advocacy that they've been working on because Latifa, you and I know that there is a lack of mental health resources and trauma-informed resources in our schools. And now more than ever with COVID and just with everything happening in our city and in the nation, that there is so much trauma. Right. There's so much trauma going on all around us. And so now more than ever, we're going to need those mental health resources. Why are we underfunding schools? Why are we not funding mental health training? Why are we not funding trauma-informed support for our teachers and our students and our families and our schools? Right. And so when we're talking about advocacy, there is power in your truth. There is power in your story. And when we all share that together, there is power in numbers. Right. And so if we are all advocating for the same thing, when these are where the advocacy groups come in, people are going to take notice. Elected officials are going to take notice. So if you're out there advocating by yourself, guess what? You are not alone. Right. You are not alone. You keep and you need support. And you, and you need support beyond the thing that you're advocating for. You are a person. Okay. So you have absolutely. feelings and you are experiencing the the defeat. You're experiencing the frustration. You're experiencing the anger, but you're experiencing it by yourself in this bubble and there's no release. And imagine if you were part of a group and realizing that you are not alone, that there are people who are going through the same thing you're going through and you get to relax, relate and release the BS and then be empowered and uplifted by people in this common thing that we're trying to get Mm -hmm. to move forward. 
If you hit a wall, the group can help you break that wall down. Absolutely. It's a blessing to have a support system, especially with parents. I tell everybody, oh, you know, Miss Law, you know, she's an advocate for kids. She's an advocate for children with disabilities. She's an advocate for education. Before I am an advocate, baby, I am a mom. I'm a Bria's mom. Okay. I am Mm -hmm. a parent first. And sometimes you're going to get overwhelmed. So it's a blessing. If you're part of an advocacy group, you're not alone. You have someone there, you know, to help, you know, if you fall down to help pick you back up. Yep. Girl. Girl. You need support. You need support. You need and support. It's, it's, it's crucial, especially for our own mental health. We were preaching mental health, but our mental health matters as well. It's key because we are, the, I like to say, the captain of the ship. I'm the captain of this ship. And if this joint go down, if I go down, this whole ship going down. Exactly. So I said this last week. I said, I cannot pour into the community from an empty cup. Say it. You can't. You cannot pour into advocacy. You cannot pour into the community. You cannot pour into different organizations or things that are happening if your cup is empty. So we have to ensure that in this work that we are pouring into ourselves, that we make it a point to have some self-care. I go to the gym. That is my mental health place. I was like, okay, COVID, have a seat. Coronavirus, have a seat. You are messing with our lives. You are messing. You are messing with our health, and you are messing with our mental health. You're the mental health. Our babies can't go to school. I can't go to the gym. That is my mental health place. Well, and, and music. Music is my mental health place too. But that is my mental health place. I mean, when I get on that treadmill, or when I'm exercising, or when I'm in my Zumba class, it really just it just re-energizes me. It does absolutely. That is one of my spaces where I get to just chill and zone out for a minute. Exactly. You just zone out. Like there's no advocacy thoughts. There's nothing there. And I go to a gym that has childcare. I'm a single mom, folks. So I have to be mindful of the things I can do and things that I have to wait to do. I like to, we're going to speak life. It's not the fact that I won't do them. I may just have to wait to do them. So because I am a single parent, I'm very mindful of, okay, I need a gym with childcare. You don't have a sitter all the time, you know, and I I don't want me going to the gym depending on somebody else. Right. And and one of the things that I'm providing in the circle provides to parents is creating a holistic lifestyle, you know, for ourselves and our children. And for me, that encompasses your health, your mindset, connecting with yourself and your child. And when we talk about self-care, that is the thing going to the gym. For me, it's a space where I get to space out. I'm also understanding that to create a holistic lifestyle for your child and Mm -hmm. your your family and yourself, you got to start. Like you said, you cannot pour from an empty cup. So what is it going to take to fill you? And then you can give it to everybody. And then I tell everyone, I'm like, what is it that you love to do? Is it running? Is it going to the gym? Is it dancing? Is it painting? Is it writing? Is it taking a nap? You know, literally saying, okay, from whatever time for like one hour, you take naps. You know, is it reading a book while drinking right. tea? Is it creating a vision? I'm looking at my vision board. Is it creating a vision board? You know, is it drawing? Is it singing? Just whatever it is that you love to do that fills you up and that gives you that joy and that gives you that peace of mind. Because this is my thing. I have to stay planted for my peace of mind because I cannot, I say bonkers, I can't go bonkers and I'm a single parent. I have a child to take care of. If I go bonkers, what is that going to mean for my daughter? How can I pour into her 
if I am empty. You have to find your thing. And let's be clear. Self-care is not, it can be, but let's see. It is not limited to, I got to get my nails done. I got to get my hair done. No, self-care is that thing that brings you peace. For some of us, it literally could be reading a book with a cup of coffee. For some of us, it could be practicing gratitude. It could be going to the gym. Absolutely. Whatever brings you that peace. And guess what? If getting your nails done and your feet done, if that gives you a moment of clarity and peace, right? keep doing it. Keep you know? doing it. Keep but add something else so it can be a daily thing. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And Lativa, you know, I just want to be transparent. There was a point in time where I my cup was really empty. The story mm-hmm. that I just shared with you all, I was empty. Like I had to, my mom and my stepdad and my godmom, they really had to come pick me up and they had to pour into me because I was so broken. And so I just want to say to anyone listening, if you were feeling broken, I pray that this conversation has, that we're pouring into you. Right. And to know that we are here for you and that we love you. And we just encourage you to dig deep and find whatever it is. Find it and just do it. And just do it. The universe, usually what you put out in the atmosphere will come back to you. Right. Let's be clear. Everybody has moments of being broken. Yeah. Do you know you in a moment of broke? You might not know. Let's be real with you. You might not know. And literally, yeah, I had moments because you can heal yourself, but we are creatures of habit, especially if you are a giver and then you will find yourself back in that space of being empty and there's triggers. And, you know, I had several triggers. Literally, LaJoy, I was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. It did not know it because I literally had sleep deprivation. Oh, and I, had, I hadn't been sleeping for months because I had a situation where my daughter decided to leave, right? Oh, no. But I'm out here with an S on my chest. Yeah, I only had one hour of sleep. So what? Yeah, I'm at work. I took the kid to school. I went to therapy. But literally, I would be like, y'all hear them helicopters? And my parents trying to help me. My mom's like, yeah, baby, I hear them helicopters. But I literally would be at home scared as hell because I feel like I was hearing helicopters. And literally I was like, yo, the aliens, because I'm a sci-fi people. Y'all don't know. I love sci-fi. The aliens are coming to get me. They are coming to get me and I need to hide. And the only reason why I did not go in the closet, real talk, was because because I said, I can't leave my babies out there. And if I put them in the closet with me, they're going to think I'm crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm crazy. So pull yourself together and go to sleep. But it was the moment I had told my girlfriend, I wrote the mayor about the airplanes. I want to know why I keep hearing helicopters. And she was like, you didn't mail it. I mailed it. I was like, really? Like, are you serious right now? Yeah, I mailed it. She was like, baby, I, I need you help. I don't need help. She was like, listen, you know, my best friend just got committed and I want you to acknowledge at some point that you may need help. I don't want to see that to happen to you. So I said, okay, mm-hmm. I promise. And a couple of days later, I kept hearing helicopters. I asked my son, and he looked legit, he's like four, four, five years old. I, I said, you hear the helicopters, a sir? I hear no helicopters, mommy. I said, uh-huh. you don't hear it. He was like, no. So the look in his eyes, I was like, oh. He he gave me that confused look, like, what is right? she, like what is happening? Right. right now? I asked him again, like maybe like 15 minutes later, same look. We go outside the house and I'm like, you don't hear it. And he was like, mommy, I don't hear it. And I'm like, oh, snap, you tripping. You are tripping. Mm. You need help. And I went to, I had gotten to so far into sleep deprivation, guys. Oh my gosh. You can become delusional. And that was like me thinking the alien's coming to get me. But then it becomes a physical 
Like your your body starts to shut down and people end up in the hospital. I was maybe out. I was like 24 hours from shutting down. It just okay. so happened. I started feeling sick. So I went to the doctor. Like my mom always like, you got insurance. Here's insurance. So I went to the doctor and, <laughs> and they told me that. But, you know, the point of this is one, I had support. And even though my mom was trying to support me, because later on I was like, man, why are you tell me you heard them planes? She was like, well, baby, I didn't want you to think you was crazy. But it was my friend mm. who told me. I don't think, and mind you guys, she's in Baltimore. I do not think you're hearing planes and I need you to get help. And it was her telling me that a friend of ours had just got committed. And mm-hmm. since we're talking about mental health, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. when you're not taking care of yourself and mm-hmm. you are not taking care of and safeguarding your peace of mind, mm-hmm. and you can be so focused on being the best parent, you know, providing mm-hmm. for your kids mm-hmm. and you're not taking care of yourself, that creates uh, a really bad situation entirely for you. You know, mm-hmm. that was one of my empty moments. I had another moment where I'm crushing the game. And I see how I keep going. How like for me, it's always on this that's end. What, I'm thinking, that's what we do as moms. Right. We keep, because it's like if we stop, everything stops. So we have to keep going. But then there comes a place where if you were not properly pouring into yourself, you're going to shut down. I remember it was so bad, y'all. It was so bad. I would have, you can, y'all can't see me, but I'm pointing to my chest. I had really bad chest pain. So I was going through really bad in my marriage. Abria was like, oh my God. I don't know if she was one yet. She was like a couple months old. She had just gotten out the NICU. She was in the NICU for like five, six months um, because she was born so early. So, you know, I have this new sick baby. At the time, my husband and I, we were having issues and we just weren't seeing eye to eye. And my chest, I was like, oh my God, I keep having this chest pain. And it felt like I was having a heart attack and like I couldn't breathe. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, I can't breathe. And at this time, I'm like, I'm like 24, maybe 23, 24, something like that. I call and I didn't have a car then. I called my godmom and I was like, I was like, sweetie, I'm like, can you please take me to the hospital? Like, I just, like, I feel like I'm about to pass out. Mm-hmm. And, my, and I feel like my heart is going to rip out of my chest. Mm-hmm. And so I went to the doctor and he's looking at me like all of your tests came back perfect. They did like a, a EKG. I mean, they did everything. Okay. Yeah, I had those moments. <laughs> you know, he literally spent, I did three hours of testing, everything, everything. And he looked at me and he said, I really want you to, to stay overnight. And I'm about two seconds away from calling the psych ward for them to commit you. Wow. Because he was like, the the level of pain that I was feeling in my chest, he was like, there's nothing physically wrong. He was like, this. he was like, it's psychological. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was, I felt like he turned into a therapist at that moment. And I just let it all out. Like, I told him everything that was going on with my marriage, with my daughter, my job. I told him everything. And he said, okay. He gave me some medication for the chest pain mm-hmm. because um, it basically, it was it was my anxiety. Right. My anxiety just literally took over. And when you said sleep deprivation, that was another thing. My body was on the way to shutting completely down because I wasn't getting any sleep. I was literally up all night, you know, with Abria. We're back and forth in the hospital. I'm going back and forth to work. You know, it was just a time I, I couldn't sleep. Yeah. It wasn't when you have sick children. It was just, I was back and forth, back and forth back and forth up with her through the night. I remember one time, I don't think I got sleep for like 24 hours. I literally watched her sleep because I wanted to make sure she was breathing because mm. I was 
afraid that she would just stop breathing because she was on an apnea monitor and oxygen. I was afraid that the apnea monitor would go off and I, I need to be able to hear it. I need to be able to see her. Yeah. But in that, it, I was on the way. Thank God I, I went to the hospital because I probably would have passed out. I was on the way or giving myself a heart attack. I felt it. For everyone out there who is familiar or not familiar with anxiety, one of the main things with anxiety is that you are always planning. Like, so, you know, for all PC, you're for social media and, you know, in the real world, they make anxieties thing like, oh, you're scared, you're scared. Real talk, anxiety is, and I fully 150% believe all black people do, we have anxiety. And it's the only thing that has kept us safe in this world, period, mm -hmm. point blank, period. Mm -hmm. It's the anxiety and the planning ahead, planning what's next and always running what if scenarios. That is what anxiety is. What if, what if, what if? And what happens is you try to control your anxiety by planning, but the main word is control. So you watching her is you, I don't trust these machines. I am controlling it. Right. I know my baby, you know, for my son, I literally would, are you breathing? Are, are you breathing? Wait a minute, wait, look, what? is it is the chest moving? <laughs> in in all actuality, we can't control if they're breathing or not breathing. Exactly. But the anxiety that is how it shows up and how it manifests. Right. And you can't miss something. So mm -hmm. let me just be here or plan to be here. It's trying to control the things that you have no control over. Yep, that's what it is. And trust and believe it is not a bad thing, but we need to be aware of it. And my mom is a what if, you know, um, I look at how I live my, my daily life, especially with black children and black boys, you know, mm -hmm. the conversations, where is that coming from? For black people, look, we not open up our windows. Why are you trying to look at my house? Why are you looking at me? Why are you, you know, constantly, because we are trying to survive. What happens in this house stays in this house. Right. But it's gotten to a point now and I had to get to a point. I had to go talk to a therapist. And that's why for it, us to talk to therapists is hard. It was so overwhelming. And I remember my therapist. Um, oh my gosh, I miss her so, so, so much. But I actually had an, um, an African-American woman. Me too. And I felt calm with her. I felt that I could really tell my truth and tell how I truly felt without her judging me. Mm -hmm. Because at first I went to one therapist and they were not a person of color. Um, they were a female. And there was actually nothing wrong with her. She was actually really amazing. But I felt that, do you really understand my struggles? Like I need someone to really understand my struggles to be able to help guide me. Mm -hmm. And then she was talking about wellness law. You know, we can talk about medication. I'm like, I don't need medication. I need resources and tools and information to be able to navigate this thing. I'm overwhelmed and I need someone to help me figure out how to not be so overwhelmed. Right. Because it's a lot happening. Right. I was blessed with a black sister out the box. And to have someone push back on what you think is happening, not saying that's not happening. But it's your point of view. It's your perspective. Right. You know, it all goes into your mindset. And then be able to release all those things that you actually are hiding from yourself. Like you're doubting yourself. At one point, I had my tubes tied. And literally, I was doubting the choice because, you know, mm -hmm. me and my husband, and we had separated. And I was like, oh, I might want to be with somebody else. Oh, because I want to have this. Oh, you're so excited about this baby because I never had that going on. And my 
therapist is, well, she's like, well, girl, who said that is even ever going to happen to you? And right. that is what your life story is. And I was like, what? What you trying to say? But it made, after she said that, I was like, well, she's right. To introduce a completely different perspective. Yep. And that's something my therapist has said. She said, Lajoy, you really, especially just with everything happening, I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety, um, and it's called um, adjustment disorder. Mm -hmm. um, and you all can look these up. DSM-5, the Diagnostic Manual for Mental Health Disorders, the fifth edition. Mm -hmm. And at first, I was like, she's talking out the side of her neck. There is nothing called adjustment disorder. Child, I went and looked it up. It was right there in the book. I was like, oh my God. And I went through a denial period, you know, where I was like, well, am I crazy? Mm -hmm. No, I'm not crazy. I'm overwhelmed. Right. And it's okay to say I'm overwhelmed because as women in particular, and to be even more specific as black women, we're carrying so much. So much weight. We're carrying so much. And just with women in general, there are many of us that are carrying these loads, a lot of us by ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that can be overwhelming sometimes. So it is okay to say, you know what? I'm going to pour into myself by getting a therapist. I'm going to pour into myself by making sure my mental health is okay. So that way I'm, I can be here for my children. That way I can be here for my family. Or we I know there are a lot of individuals that are caregivers, that are taking care of elderly parents, or maybe taking care of a sibling or a nephew or, or you know, to be able to make sure that I'm okay. So that way I can pour and be there for my family. For your family. And the other back end of that is I have experienced so many caregivers come in to the public service office and they were taking care of an elderly relative who yeah, passed yeah. and, but they quit their job. They stopped taking care of themselves. So they had nothing. So now they weren't pouring into themselves mm -hmm. and now it's beyond broke. They're at the bottom of the cup. The cup has already been broken. Now it's, they're just there. That last drip of water that's sitting in that empty cup mm -hmm. that's broken. broken. And they're like, what do I do? And it's important to know that even with your children, depending on the variant of your child, they are a gift to you to take care of and nurture, but they are not yeah. yours. So they will leave and trust them to leave. I have two older kids and my daughter left way before I thought she was. And I was all up in my feelings, even to extent of abandonment, oh. right? Because you have this attachment to your children. You Absolutely. know, like we talk about, oh, it's my daughter, my daughter. You know, when you're in these arguments with people, you be mine. Like that's mine. 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 <laughs> and in your mind, mine doesn't leave to you 18. It, mine does not leave to 18. Even like if you're taking care of your, your mother, you know, even though you know she's going to have the past, it's still my mom, my mom. But we have to be understanding and really put emphasis on everything is temporary. There always will be there, even if your parent passes, they'll be with you in spirit, but you are here. You are the constant. So mm -hmm. what are you without them? And that's that part where we're talking about get your therapy. Oh my God. That is, no, Latif, that is a word because I remember when I was going through my divorce, I was so lost and I was so broken. I mean, and I just want everyone to know out there, if you have ever been through a divorce, or if you are going through a divorce, that is a form of loss. Yep. And so when we say loss, loss can be through death. Loss can be through divorcing. Loss can be through a child leaving. You know, whatever it may be, it is a loss. And in that loss, you have to go through the grieving process. 
there was grief there. And I remember just feeling so broken and so empty. Like, what am I going to do now? Right. Like all my hopes and all my dreams and everything that I wanted to do was attached with someone else. Mm-hmm. And then I had to learn the lesson. One, you teach people how to treat you. That's Hello. Hello. Say it again. One more time for those in the back who didn't hear. You, you have to teach people how to treat you. People only do to you what you allow them to do. My therapist really had to drill that lesson into me. I finally got it. Thank God. It took a little while because I was like really angry. <laughs> I was. I was so angry. And she said, but again, we cannot account for somebody else. We got to account for us and our actions and what we are responsible for. Right. Okay? Because you can become, I'm going to use the word consumed or I can use the word entangled. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, wait, quick side note. That was hilarious. I love how the correction was made. He said, I'm going to need you to explain and take that. And she still wouldn't say, but we ain't going to go there. We're not going to go there today. We're not going to go there. You could be so consumed with or entangled with your partner that Mm -hmm. you lose yourself. Exactly. Through someone else. And the key word is my identity, self esteem. You cannot love, and this is my personal opinion, you cannot love someone else properly if we do not love ourselves first. So it is okay to love your children. It is okay to love your husband or your wife. It is okay to love your parents. There are different forms of love. We'll talk about that another day. Mm-hmm. There are different forms of love. But baby, you can also have self-love. You can love your mom and love your children and still love yourself. This is not an either or. Mm -hmm. This is, I love my mom. I love my daughter. I love LaJoy. I love me. I love my friends. But this is how I choose to be treated. This is how I choose to live my life. This is how I choose to take care of my mental health. This is how I choose to take care of my household. In my apartment, I literally have flowers in almost every room. Flowers make me so happy, especially like white roses and and pink roses and yellow roses. Like I love roses. It's like the cream and the gold. I just love it. It brings me so, It's I think it's the most beautiful thing ever. Mm-hmm. And in my apartment, like I'm looking at it right now, It's so peaceful. And that's what I like. That's what brings me joy. You know, I had to literally, I'm in the same apartment, right, that I'm in when I was married. Mm. I had to cleanse my apartment. My mom and I had to pray over this apartment. And then I completely redecorated the apartment, including upstairs. New life. It's a new, and, and there's flowers everywhere. And that makes me happy. When I look out, there's so many flowers in here. It makes me happy. And so my advice to you all, do what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. It is okay to love your children, but it is also okay to love yourself. And if you feel that you are, if you feel that, you know what, I'm broken and I don't love myself, guess what? We love you. I love you. Latifah loves you. Yeah. You're loved. You are loved. You just got to really dig deep. We all had that place where we're at a crossroads. What choice are we going to make now? Am I going to continue to do what I'm doing? Or am I going to make the choice to do something else? And that choice can be, I remember one time the depression was so bad. I didn't really even want to get up out of bed. It was so bad. Mm -hmm. But one day I was like, no, okay, let me put a little makeup on today. Let me put on a outfit that makes me feel pretty. Let me go take a drive. Let me put a Brie in the car and we're just going to go drive. Mm-hmm. And what happened was those little things, small things, these are small things. They add up. They add to your existence. They add up. And one day you're going to look up and go, oh my God, I made it. 
Yeah. I want to segue into the fact that you are running <laughs> for the Board of Education because we just talked about briefly, we talked about how you have been on, you know, advocating with Board of Education yes. as a parent. But now you're running yeah. <laughs> for the Board of Education. So can you explain to everyone for those who don't know? Sometimes we think we know, but we really don't know all the tea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what does the Board of Education do and why do you want to run? Yeah. So first of all, I'm just humbled and honored to even be running. Um, it, it took me about five months to make the decision. So I'm running for the State Board of Education in D.C. for the Ward 8 seat. And what happened was I was talking to my mom and I still, this story, and I asked my mom, I'm like, mommy, what were we talking about? She she goes, well, Joy, I don't know. You were talking about something and how parents were not involved. <laughs> Sound like me. We just be talking. We just be talking. <laughs> like <laughs> we were sitting at her dining room table, and I was like, "Mommy, this is just outrageous." I'm like, "I'm just so tired of it." Like, I just why are they not including warding families? Why are they not including families? Period. And she asked me. She said, "Lajoy, have you ever thought about running for anything?" And I said, no, mommy. I was like, no. I was like, that's not something that I've ever thought about doing. You know, I'm finishing up this master's. I'm going to take six months off and I'm going to go get my PhD in policy. She was like, okay, LaJoy. I was like, okay. So this was like October. So November rolls around and I heard that the current State Board of Education representative was going to be running for at large. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to a friend and I'm just like, oh my God, that's amazing. They're taking it to the next level. Who is going to fill that seat? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and my friend goes, oh my gosh, LaJoy, you should do this. And I'm like, do what? You should run. No, I'm going to tell you like I told my mom. No, I am going to take six months off and go get my PhD. I am, this is my plan. No one is going to break my plan. No way. Okay. Don't be sitting up here breaking up my plans. I have plans. I'm going to be Dr. LaJoy Johnson Law. Okay. Well, what happened was my friend called some other folks who are mutual friends and they ganged up on me. They did an intervention. The straight up intervention. And I'm like, what is wrong with you all? No, 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 no. Universe was talking to you. I still said no. And I'm like, no. And so I was like, you know what? Let me pray about this. I'm like, everyone keeps bringing this up. Let me really pray on it. And I said, Lord, and I was like really specific in my prayer. But Tiva, I asked the Lord, I'm like, Lord, I need this to be simple. I don't need a sign. I just need you to straight up tell me if you want me to run for the State Board of Education for wording. Like, I need to hear you and I need those exact words. <laughs> that, that, I was so specific. I said, because if it's not coming from you, then I can't do this. Mm -hmm. I said, we're talking about souls. There's over 16,000 children here. There's over, you know, that's families. These are over 16,000 souls. That's a big deal. You, you know, that that's a really big deal. The Lord is going to hold me responsible if he has me in this position. The community is going to hold me accountable. So that's a big deal. Child, I woke up out my sleep. You know how you, when the Lord tells you something and it's just out, I mean, woke me up <laughs> out my sleep. I want you to run for the State Board of Education. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I said? Let's say. No. <laughs> no. No. And then another friend had called. But Joy, I heard you're going to run. Why are you 
I was like, why are y'all spreading rumors? I was like, no. And finally, I was at an event and I, I was, um, it was an education event. And I looked around the room and the lack of parents, the lack of families, and the lack of Black parents. Hello. It, it just touched me in a way. And I said, okay, God, I know you've been telling me this for a while through everyone and waking me up out of my sleep. I hear you. Oh, he's ready to receive it. I was like, all right, okay. I was like, this isn't going away. And what happened was I said, okay, I'm going to do this. I went down to Board of Elections, you know, trying to get my bearings to see Mm -hmm. what's going on. This is my first time. I'm completely new to this. Got the paperwork. And then I was like, you know what? I'm still going to say no. I had the paperwork and didn't file it. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, in like the end of January, I was like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to, I'm really going to do this. And I made the announcement in February. And for the first time in a really, really long time, I feel like I'm at the right place at the right time in the right moment. I am running because I want my Ward 8 families heard. I want special education to be paramount and parallel in the education conversation because it's often forgotten about. Mm-hmm. And I want all of our children to have access to an amazing, high quality education. Our zip code should not matter about the quality of education we receive. The quality of education should be paramount and high, period. Right. But we know that's not the case. So I'm going to run, but this isn't about me. This is about every single family in Ward 8. So I want you to share with the listeners, of course, it will be in the show notes, but share with the listeners. One, how can we support you? So for all of my Cypher people who are in the D.C. Ward 8 How can they support you and when are the elections and where can they find you? Yes. Okay. So everyone in Ward 8, the election is Tuesday, November 3rd. So vote LaJoy Johnson Law. You all can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaJoy, L-A-J-O-Y, J Law, L-A-W. And as far as donating, anyone can donate. So you don't have to be in Ward 8. You don't just have to be in D.C., Maryland, Virginia, just anywhere. Like anybody can donate to the campaign. This is a family movement. And so I need everyone's help with getting families to the decision-making table. We are in this together. So you can donate at www.lajoylaw2020.com. So www. LaJoyLaw2020.com. From one parent to another, you are doing the best with what you have. Remember to be patient with yourself and your child. Please subscribe and check out the website www.theparentingcipher.com for additional resources from this episode.